So what a great day to be assembled here at the bridge and in uh, you're in great company today. Uh, a lot of good looking faces around you, right? Leslie had you to welcome those around you this morning. Um, we do desire to be a church that is welcoming, that is inviting, that wants our visitors that come to know uh, that they are welcome here, that they are uh, cherished here, and that we want to have visitors here because visitors become members, we claim, after two weeks. So if you come this week, you're a visitor, then you come back next week, you're just with us from that point forward, and we, we call you family. But that first week when you come, we want you to know that as a visitor, we want to make special uh, preparations for you. Um, and saying that, last week we sent some uh, secret guests from our church up to Life Point Church in uh, Portsmouth, Ohio, and we sent some of our people up there to go attend and their service and just to watch how their church is inviting and how they uh, treat guests. And our people come back. Uh, we went and had dinner with them immediately following service last week so that we could get insight from them of what they learned uh, while they was attending that service. And we're grateful for the ones that uh, went to that. So if you went last week to be a secret shopper at Life Point Church, I want you to stand up. Anybody that went to be secret shopper at Life Point Church last week. So I think there was, yeah, well, there's six. Five, there we go. There we are. We're up now. We're up in numbers. Shannon went too, and it's an awesome experience for them, and they just learned and gleaned so much. And we're going to put some of those things into practice for ourselves uh, here at the bridge, and so that we can uh, build out some systems to make our church. We're already inviting church. You can be seated. Thank you guys for going. Let's give them a hand for going and giving up one of their services here at the bridge. Uh, they were very reluctant to do so when we asked them. They was like, no, I'm going to my church. And I was like, but we need you to go to this church. And they're like, no, I want to go to my church. And uh, they went, and they were glad they went when we went and met with them for dinner. And just thank you guys for going. Thank you for serving, sometimes even serving the bridge by going somewhere else. Because it's all one big kingdom anyway. Amen? All churches are together. We're all just one big church. And I read a post this past week on a Facebook group that I'm in for small churches and uh, in Kentucky, and, and the person said, how many churches are in your community? And immediately, you know, I've counted the ones in the Lewis County uh, Herald before, and I know that there's 70-plus churches in Lewis County, 70 buildings, 70 congregations, 70 assembly points, let's call them that. And it went, kept going down. The post was really long because she kept putting periods down through it. So it's one of those ones you had to scroll through a long time to get to the bottom. You know what I'm talking about, the aggravating kind of post. But once you commit so much swapping along, you're like, I can't quit now. There has to be something down here somewhere. And eventually you get to the bottom of it and it said there's one church. Now you got the answer. And it's the truth. There's a lot of churches in our county, in our city, in our state, in our nation, in our world, but really there's one church. It's called the body of Christ. Sure, we have our different little groups, but even in a church like us, we consider ourselves to have small groups so that it can feel more homey, if that's a word. Everybody's my homeboy, I guess. So it's more homey that you can assemble yourselves together with people like-minded believers and whenever you get in a small group that Elizabeth and Ryan help 
to head up, whether it's kayaking with Sandy or doing all the different things we've done around here. It's been many different things. Ping pong group. I love that one that time when we had a ping pong group. It was pretty fun. Uh, we've uh, went and worked on a truck at a garage. A group of men went and done that, and that was pretty awesome. That's been years ago. Amy and Earl Brown, uh, Earl and uh, Landon helped me with my truck. We was rebuilding my truck, and later on I traded the truck, and Landon ended up, that's his 16th birthday present, the truck that he worked on when he was a kid as a connection group here at church. We never know what God's going to do through us if we make ourselves available. So be involved in small groups. Be involved in ministry here at the bridge because we're all in this together and we need each other to be the church that God created us to be. Can somebody say amen? There's a few of you. How many believe that, that God wants you to be a part of what we're doing here? There's no outsiders. There's no insiders. There's no click. We're all one big click. And clicks are a good thing when you're in them. Amen? So just know you're in the click. You're in the know. So it's awesome to see you here today. Many of us, uh, our family, are uh, suffering this week. And uh, there's po people at the bridge we know that uh, have tested positive COVID. And in our prayer group, we've seen names coming through. The prayer group that's seeking prayer, uh, battling and facing COVID. Um, we need to pray for those people. Amen. That God would heal them. The Bible says that God is our healer. He is our healer. It says in Isaiah 53 that Jesus took stripes on his back for our healing. We need to accept that and pray that those healing stripes would be effective in our life and in the people's lives of the bridge. And not only our people, but all the people in our community that's facing COVID this week. We see the numbers raising. We see the issues that's coming. The school system is having trouble with bus drivers, with school teachers, with the staffing around all throughout the school. We see it happening. Uh, talked to Danny last week about, you know, he's an RN nurse and uh, nursing, all these occupations that we're seeing. There's people struggling out there. Industry is struggling. We need to be aware of that fact, accept reality, not live with our head in the sand and do the right thing. So I'm going to challenge you to just do the right thing. Let's wear a mask when we're out in public. Let's uh, use the hand sanitizer. Do the things that we know that the CDC tells us to do. I strongly encourage that. Next week, we want to do that here in our Back to Church Sunday event. I want us all to uh, go the extra mile. And it goes all the way back to the beginning chapters of the Bible in Genesis there's a story about Cain and Abel. You've heard the story before. I've preached about it here before, that Cain slew Abel. And when God come and asked Cain, where's your brother Abel? Cain said to God, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I've got to take care of Howie because he can't do things for himself. Yes, I am my brother's keeper. My sister's a do-little dandy, so I've got to take care of her too. So I, I care for my sister. She was here last week. It was awesome getting to see her and her kids here, uh, Bailey and Brindley. It's just fun being around family. And Jesus told the story one time when the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees come to him, and they said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told the story about the Good Samaritan, that we should be our neighbor is whoever we're around. It's not whoever I like. 
looks at your neighbor and say, I don't know if I like you or not. Well, I'm sitting by you, so apparently I like you. You're in my, you're in my homeboy club or whatever. But we need to be our brother's keeper, and that means our neighbors. That Jesus told that story because the priest walked by, didn't help the person laying on the side of the ground because he was a Samaritan. He didn't want anything to do with him, the Jewish person. And a Samaritan comes through, a person that shouldn't even deal with Jewish people, and he actually helped him. So Jesus was telling that story so that the Jewish people could see Sometimes people outside our camp help us too. Amen? So the church should be helping, not hurting. Amen? Let's be our brother's keeper next week. Let's promote and do things that we know to do. So let's be safe. Let's have a great event next week. I, I don't know how we're going to reach our number, our goal, Tabby set out. She, she blamed it on me. I'm going to blame it on her uh, and the group. She's in a group club. So uh, well, I wanted a number. I didn't say what the number was. So let's just try our best and get as many people here as we can and safely do it and uh, have a great event, chili cook-off, uh, eat a cake or two. It's going to be a good day. The big tent is going to be set up. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's been a long time since I've been in a tent revival. Uh, we used to do racing all the time. So... After all that, it's 11.04, and now I can start with my sermon. Multiply and Divide is a sermon series that we started last week to try to lead us uh, in a discussion about war. So I'm going to read through uh, the intro that I have for this sermon series. Blaming God for human failure is not fair to his divine nature. It's without doubt that the God of heaven we serve is for certain a jealous God, but not in a negative light. He is always, and I repeat always, both historically, presently, and futuristically, standing unequivocally on the side of justice. Everybody say God is on the side of justice. That's his side. If you want to see what side God is on, look on the side of justice. If you're talking about war, you can go back into Revolutionary War. He was on the side of justice for the American colonies to receive their liberty and their freedom. Why? Because that's the side of justice. There was unjust or unjust things happening. Injustices were happening from the King of England that we declared ourselves to be independent from them. So God was on our side because of justice, not because he liked us more than them. It's because he likes justice. So whenever we're thinking about war and thinking about studying these things and even biblical war, we need to look, and you'll see in the stories of war that we're studying, God's going to be on the side of justice. We can't pray that God, Abraham Lincoln said, we can't pray that God would be on our side, but we would be on God's side. Because sometimes I can be wrong. Leslie, amen me from the back corner. You know, some some people think they're perfect, don't they? Maybe maybe you don't have anybody in your family, or maybe nobody in your work side, or maybe nobody in your in your uh, inter club that you've got, or maybe you're in a college dorm or college class, and there's somebody in there. I'm sure one of them thinks they're perfect, right? You've been around somebody like that. Maybe it's a high school classroom, wherever you're at. It's a place where the people feel like, well, I'm perfect, and, and you know them. 
right? Hopefully it's not you. We know who they are. Uh-oh, Betty's pointing at Howie. Yeah, Howie's sitting there, so she's pointing him out. He does think he's perfect. He's the wonder son. I know all about it. He's pretty close, he says. So there's 17 million pictures of him in Mom's uh, photo albums, and I think I had three pictures throughout my 18 years of living in that house. He's the wonder son. We know. Um, then that is the baby, so she gets all the pictures too. So I'm just that middle child syndrome. It's a real thing. If you don't, if you're not a middle child, you don't even know. It's it's a real deal, and you need to be uh, sympathetic towards us and let us just be hoodlums we are. Um, so God is on the side of justice. He's with the middle children. Um, his words in Scripture need to be carefully studied to find the truth that is teaching. Cherry picking and building a doctoral doctrinal position without a holistic Bible view will most likely lead us into opposition to God's point of view. Because when we read our Bibles through our lens of our humanity, and as we read and study it according to what I think and put my opinions in it, I'm going to misinterpret Scripture. I'm going to be reading it from a slanted point of view. And we need to be careful of that. I say that over and over and over and over again. we got to be careful when we study the Bible. We need to study it for God's perspective to be revealed to my heart through the Holy Spirit and transform my mind and cause me to think different than what I've thought before. As Christians, we should be different. Amen? Let us lay aside those weights and those sins that so easily beset us and let us run with endurance, Hebrews says. Let us chase after and go forward. Later in Hebrews, it says God is the author and the finisher of our faith. He don't change, it says. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God stays the same. We need to change. Amen? God, we don't need God to change to my perspective. I need to change to his perspective. This sermon series, and the 10 of it, when I wrote it down last November, was to help us understand the casualty of war in the Bible. Our Heavenly Father is a God of peace. But from time to time, He has to deal with humanity's failures. But He still will choose peace. And sometimes the act of war brings about peace. I don't think God likes war. I don't believe God chooses war. I think humanity's failures cause wars. Our divisions, right? God didn't come to kill, steal, and destroy. That's the enemy's thing. He come to let us have life and life more abundantly. That's John, in, in the Gospel of John 10, 10, that says that. So as we look at Scripture, know this, that God wants to multiply you and your family. He wants to multiply our nation. He wants to, multi he wants to build you up. He wants to cause you to have an impact. He doesn't want to divide and conquer and tear apart. But sometimes war happens. And when war happens that humanity causes, what side is God going to be on? That's a question. What side will God be on? He's going to be on the side of justice, right? It's simple. It's not hard to understand. And his justice 
My side? I can't always say that. Have I been just in every decision I've ever made in my life? No way. And neither are you. We make decisions daily. doesn't matter if you're leading a corporation, if you're involved in some business plan or what you're doing in life, we make decisions. Cindy sometimes makes decisions to drive the bus, but she makes a decision to take a nap before bus time. She was telling a story last week. It's pretty awesome. It's every day. Okay, she takes a nap, and the bus the guy that's over in charge of the buses, he called her and said, hey, Cindy, you going to drive the bus this evening? Yeah, I think I will. Uh, you might want to get on down to the school because you're supposed to be there right now. <laughs> A little bit late, right? That's not justice to the kids, right? They deserve to have a bus driver there on time. Be timely. Pick on Cindy Day. Sorry, Cindy. We love you here. Yeah, she was one of the, She was a secret shopper last week at church. To hide from the fact that war happens and put the blame on God is not the right way to go about it. We have to put our trust in His will and stop burying our head in the sand and not taking accountability for the failures of humanity. We as humans fail. And I believe we fail daily. I believe the most perfect Christian on this planet, whoever that is at this point in time, still has an issue and flaws that pops its ugly head daily. Amen? Not saying we strive to fail. We should strive to be successful in God's kingdom and to love and to bear the fruit of the Spirit and enjoy the, the gifts of the Spirit. We should do all those things. But understand, you're not perfect. And when war happens, let's don't blame it on God. Let's blame it on human failures. He wants to multiply. We are the cause of the division. We as humans. It's our fault. But even in the midst of that, last week we talked about a few things in the story of Abraham, how that even in sometimes in families, in your family, there's divisions. You can see it when you go to the family reunion. It doesn't take much to see divisions, sometimes not even harmful divisions. It's just divided by who your grandpa is. My great-grandpa moved to Lewis County back in the early 1900s, and when he moved to Lewis County, had a bunch of kids through the teens, through the 20s, had all of his children, multiple children. All those kids had kids. All those kids has had kids. And all those kids has had kids. And now all those kids has had kids. So we're generations deep as colliers in Lewis County because one man moved here. And where we go to meet at the Collier Union every year, it's divided out, and where we take pictures, we'll take one big group picture, the Collier Family Union, 100 years old now. They've met together consistently. COVID ended it last year and caused us not to have it, but 
we went out and had a smaller one with dad's group anyway we haven't had it this year maybe i guess we'll have to here eventually it's usually in august but we'll group out in families according to whoever the oldest siblings that's still around break out in their groups so that's dividing even amongst families this week i want to talk about another war because that was a war that happened that abraham had to go save his his nephew lot right and we studied about that last week how that he had to go protect even somebody that had divided from him lot chose the better side abraham still took the high road and went and done the right thing and protected his nephew lot we should protect our families when they're on the side of justice if they're in the wrong do we have to be on the side of family no let's be on the side of justice so this week I want to talk about another battle in the Bible. It's called the Battle of Jericho. How many's ever heard of the Battle of Jericho? I want you to raise your hand if you've ever heard of the story of Jericho or read about it in Scripture. So it's in Joshua. It's in the Old Testament. This is a story a few generations after Abram that we talked about earlier. This is several generations later. Abram moved into town, took over the land. Next thing you know, several generations later, they end up in slavery in egypt then god leads them through the red sea brings them out into the wilderness they stay 40 years in the wilderness and then god calls joshua when moses dies you've heard of the ten commandments right everybody's heard of the ten commandments that's what god gave to to moses to lead the children of israel by and then when moses dies on the side of the hill because he was disobedient to god god didn't allow him to go back into the country that god had provided for them and Moses dies on the other side of the Jordan River. And as he perishes and dies, Joshua is his successor. And Joshua is called to go back across the river of Jordan and take the land that God had given to Abraham. So sometimes we lose things, but God can give them back. I don't know what the enemy has taken from you, I don't know what he's stolen from you, but I'm here to tell you today that God is not done yet. Amen? He will restore when we're in his perfect will. Amen. Let's stand on the side of justice and let's watch and see what God can do. Let's have faith to believe God can cause me to be an overcomer even when everybody says, you've already lost it all, Job. Even though everybody says and all of our friends will be telling us, you've done lost it. Guess what? You ain't seen God pull people through before because me and my house, we're going to serve God. And as we serve God, you're going to watch him bless me abundantly. Amen? You're going to see evidence of the creator of heaven taking up when I stand on the side of justice. It's an awesome thing to know that God can restore things and while you're sitting here today and maybe you're facing loss financially maybe it's 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 division that's happened in your family and you're waiting for God to restore some things maybe you've been through an awful breakup and God and you're seeking restoration for those things believe today that all things are possible because with God they are amen with man it seems impossible but I serve God of heaven who knows how to restore so Joshua can you imagine as he's taking this land and he's traveling back across this river of Jordan and him and all the children of Israel going across this river. And it's a pretty big river. It's not the size of the Ohio River, but it's about like Kenny Connick. 
And I know Kinnickinick's a creek and all that, but that's about the size of River Jordan. You can look up pictures of it on the Internet, and there's pictures there. And the River Jordan is a creek that they had to cross, but it's called a river, River of Jordan. And as they travel across, God begins to tell them, lay up these stones, make this place a sacred place. And they prayed, and they went back, and they fulfilled Old Testament law that God had given Moses. They begin to set justice in action. And setting justice in action is something that we need to do as Christians. Amen? Don't side on the side of caution or err on the side of caution. Let's err on the side of justice. Amen? Whenever we begin to see situations happening in our nation, in our county, in our state, in our world, we need to err on the side of justice. And if I weigh it out in justice according to Scripture, I will be on God's side. I assure you that. If I put my own two cents and my own opinion in it, I'm going to get messed up. I'm going to mess this situation up. God doesn't want us to mess up. He doesn't want us to divide. He wants us to multiply. Amen? He wants our church to multiply. He wants more people to become citizens of the bridge. So as you're sitting here today, let's be like Joshua. Joshua errs on the side of justice. But as he errs on the side of justice, he's still uh, trying to uh, make godly decisions in how he's going to lead the children of Israel. And can you imagine trying to keep six million people on the same page? Todd, you've been in leadership. You know what it's like to try to keep 13,000 Lewis counties on the same page. Can we, can we take a poll as Lewis County and just say everybody's going to think the same and have the same opinion about the same topic on the same day at the same time and put a poll out there and get 100%? Kind of hard to do, ain't it? So maybe you're on a job site or maybe you're in, in whatever and you go out there and you try to figure out how we're going to accomplish this task we've got to do that day. Right, Ryan? It's hard to do. Whenever you're in a crew of 10 people and you've got 10 workers in a crew, there's going to be a lot of different opinions. We have to be careful, right? Because our opinions might not be justice. Six million people Joshua's in charge of to go and take the nation back, and God's trying to keep them on the same page. He wants them on the side of justice, but some of them's got different opinions. So Joshua's in charge and leadership. My secretary at work, Sandy, I love her dearly, but she, whenever she went to work there 29 years ago, been there a while somebody would give her this plaque and it's got a, a a little poem type thing on it it's called the penalty of leadership it's from the early 1900s and everything i go in there to talk to her about some situation that's going on or get her opinion on it you know you need to bounce some things off of some people amen bible said there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors don't be a one-man band Joshua did this. He, he had a leadership team around him. Build a team around you. And when we get in small groups, don't just be in small groups to go kayaking. Be in a small group that you can say, hey, I need prayer, and I don't want to put it out for the whole world to see, but i got a group of ten, or i got a group of four, or i got a group of two. I'm going to put my uh, prayer request out, and I'm going to let it be known to you because I trust you to pray for me. The Bible says don't cast your pearl before the swine. Amen. 
Not everybody's got to know everything's going on. Be careful who you trust your secrets to. Because once you tell it to one person, it's not a secret anymore. Amen. Good friends are hard to come by. Be very careful when somebody shares a secret with you. But Joshua's out here, and he does all these things and gets across the river, and he, he's sitting there, and he's thinking, and he's uh, getting these uh, counselors around him and all these people that he's got on a leadership team with him that God had provided him. There's 12 nations. They're divided out because there was 12 children in the nation of Israel. And as this happens, Joshua breaks them out, and they're in their groups. And it breaks up through the leadership team, and next thing you know, he's making a decision. And they decide to send out two spies to go look at this city called Jericho. And as they send these two spies out, they pick two, okay, you two go over here and go to this city and spy out what it looks like because I don't want to go in and fight a battle that I don't know anything about. Amen? Know your enemy. Know your enemy. Who is your enemy today? Who does the Bible say is the enemy of your soul? The devil, right? He is our enemy. I don't want to know him as a best friend. Amen? Sometimes we've got to go spy out the land that we're getting ready to take. And when you get ready to take back the things the devil stole from you, he's not going to like it very much. Know your enemy. Joshua sends out these two spies as they go spy out the land. It says in Scripture, this is in Joshua chapter 2 through verse or chapter 6, so there's a lot of text there. You need to go read it. If you've never read the story, Jericho, please go read it. It's very important in Scripture, I believe. And it's a war that happens. Everybody say, I don't like war. I really don't. I don't like war. But the Bible talks about it, and we can't skip it because we don't like it. Amen? Let's learn from the wars of the Bible. So there's a war of Jericho. And I want to read Joshua chapter 6, verses 22 through 25. This is Joshua chapter 6, 22 through 25. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, Keep your promise, go to the prostitute's house and bring her out, along with all of her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. This is the end of the story that we're reading about here. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it, only the things made from gold, Silver, bronze, and iron were kept in the treasury for the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. And when you study history and you study the Bible from a historical perspective, and you read about this story right here, it just brings an awe to me how that God can use anybody. Amen? We just heard in Scripture that a prostitute out of the whole town, only one family was saved, and it was because of this lady, and she was a prostitute. If you read the whole story from Joshua 2 through 6, you'll see that Rahab's house was in the wall of the city of Jericho. 
And the battle of Jericho happened where that the children of Israel were told, walk around the city for six days straight and don't say a word. That's pretty hard to do, get six, six million people to walk around the city. The battle is about to happen and just keep your mouth shut. Can I tell you that would be a good principle to live by wherever you're facing a battle, wherever you're going through a storm, when you're going through a situation? Sometimes you don't need to talk about it a whole lot. Amen? Just spy out the land and walk around in silence, and everybody's going to be looking, well, why ain't they troubled? Why ain't they perplexed? Why am I not tore up? Why? Because God is for me, not against me. Amen? So Joshua sees this happen, and whenever he sends out these two spies, they go into this prostitute's house. Now, does common sense, does that make much sense to you? You send out two spies to go tell what's going on, in the city, you're getting ready to face and fight a battle. And you send them over there, and you're hoping they're going to get some good insight of what's going on. And they come back and say, yeah, we, we hung out down in the prostitute's house. Really? <laughs> I sent you there on behalf of God to go search out and see what to do. Everybody say, God's ways is not my ways. Amen? But these two spies went in the prostitute's house. And when they get in there, the city officials found out that there's two spies in there, and she hides them on the roof of her house, it says. And as she hides them, they come and try to find them. She says, no, they're not here anymore. She lies. So this is not just a prostitute. This is a lying prostitute. And it's not only a lying prostitute because she's a, a person of the city of Jericho, a citizen She's acting on behalf of the two traitors that is in her house, so now she is guilty of treason. That's kind of offensive, isn't it? And as we sit here today thinking about that, that's the person that gets saved? Are you kidding me? Was there nobody better in the city of Jericho to save than that? But in our human reasoning, sometimes we don't understand God's plan. Amen? We can't see the big picture. But this lady called Rahab was this prostitute, liar, and a traitor to her people. But God used her anyway. Amen? So no matter what you're sitting here today and you're thinking, well, I have this issue going on, or I'm facing this battle today, and I've got this sin happening, and it seems like I'm hard to struggle, and it's hard to get over this thing. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I'm the chief among sinners. We are sinners saved by grace. Every person here, a sinner saved by grace. But Paul also said, I strive. I, I head towards perfection. I'm trying. He said, I die daily. Every day when I wake up, I want to wake up a dead man. What are you saying? I wake up a dead man to sin. I want to strive this day not to sin today. Some days I'll do better than others. But as this is happening, understand this. God wants you to multiply. And that word means succeed. He wants to add to you. He wants to add to our church daily, just like he did the original church in Acts chapter 2 in Jerusalem. He wants to add to our church, and we should let him. There's some people that I've talked to They'll say, you know, I like being a small church. And when churches begin to grow, there's people who will come and say, well, I liked it better when we were smaller. I knew everybody. 
So you want the 10,000 people in Lewis County that's not saved today to go to hell so you can have a small church? That doesn't sound like you're on the side of justice to me, does it you? Justice is I want everybody to come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want every citizen in our communities to come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want it so much that I want to be an example that I can go and proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he's hung on a cross, that he was put in a grave, and he come out victorious over death, hell, and the grave, and he ascended into heaven, and he's coming back someday. That's who I want to go proclaim to this world. It's lost and undone without him. Let's be the examples that God wants us to be. So I skipped my place. God directed Joshua to take the land. And I think he's directing us. And I don't think it's by accident that he's directing us to go out and proclaim his good news to our community. I don't think we should do it haphazardly or half-heartedly. We should be fully bought in and say, I want to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. My opinions are problems. Amen? Because every time I give my opinion, it becomes a problem. Amen? But if God gives me the solution, and it's His Word, it will establish our goings. It will cause us to be founded and standing on good ground. Amen? So let's teach the kingdom of God to our communities. God directed Joshua to do that. He will direct you. Second, God provided the power to destroy the walls that happened as the children walked around the children of Israel on the seventh day. He told them to go around the city walls again on the seventh day. But this time, whenever you get around on the seventh time that day, you're going to blow the horn. And when you blow the horn, the whole shofars and the horns, I wish I had one here. I can't hardly blow one. I blew a fox horn when I was a kid, but I blow it. And when this horn happened, instantly, nobody had to go up with big bull rams and tear the walls down the power of God in an instant landed on the earth and the walls of Jericho fell to the ground why because God said so and sometimes the walls that you're facing the battles that you're facing seems too big for you guess what the God we serve can cause walls to crumble what can he do for you what do you need today in this place let's look to him and say God I need you Prepare me to see that you're well able to accomplish this task and this battle I'm facing. It seems impossible to me. I don't know how I'm going to get through this day. But God. Trust him. See if he won't come through for you. Pray to him and say, God, I need you. I can't do this anymore. And the minute you say, you can't, I can't, he says, I can. When you get out of the way, he'll get in the way. So we need to trust him. He will provide. And I can see this happening in our existence as a church. And what I'm saying by this, there's barriers that help us and hurt us. Sometimes we set up walls and those walls hinder our growth. Amen? And I can tell you right now that a 40 by 60... That building up there is a 40 by 60 building. It was built by Jim Horsley to rebuild bodies on old cars. 
He rebuilt a lot of old cars that were broke down, rusted, busted, and wasn't worth fixing. And he would take an old junky clunker and pull it in that building and spend about two, three, four, five, six months on it. And when it would come back out of the front door of that, it would look like brand new. And I'm sitting here telling you today, God has done the same thing in spiritual realms in your life. How many believes that's true? Amen. When you come to the bridge, I walk out. Amen. Feeling uplifted. I feel like I can tackle the world when I walk out of these places on Sunday. But those four walls right there has accomplished a lot since 1997. But I'm ready to see God do more. Now, I've been praying for years. God, help us to do more. We do a lot right now. The bridge gives to all kinds of missions that Mackenzie's talking about and all these things that we're doing. Now, I'm ready for him to do more. I'm ready for him to win some battles in my county. I'm ready for him to win some battles in my family. And he provided for them, and he directed them, and he's directing us, and he's providing for us. And earlier this past month, man, Leslie went to the school board meeting at Lewis County, and we presented a case for the Bridge Church because that building won't hold us right now. Just a month ago, we had about 20 kids in that little bitty building over there to the side we call the clubhouse. We've outgrown where we're at. Amen? Cooped up, ain't we? I know that's Lewis County terms, but I hope you understand. We're just cooped up. You can go up to my dad's, and when he lets the chickens out of the hen house every night, they're happy to get out. And we presented our case, and we asked them, if, because we loved what happened on Easter. How many enjoyed Easter? Amen. 201 people walked through our doors that day, had great success. And I think God can do more than that. I be, I'm believing God to do more than that through the Bridge, Bridge Church. And it may seem impossible, and some people may be watching online, and our critics may watch, and they may say, ah, you don't know what you're talking about, preacher. Lewis County can't have a church like you're talking about. Watch God. I ain't talking about what I can do. I'm not talking about what our leadership team can do. I'm not talking about what our advisory council can do. I'm not talking about what our secret shoppers went to another church can do. I'm talking about what God can do. He can cause revival to break out in our ground that the people we know today that are not attending a church service that needs to know God and they're living in sin and they don't know the freedom that you're walking in today. Let's pray and say, God, move mountains. Tear down walls. So when we presented our case, it's scary when you don't know what's going to happen. But we've done a lot of legwork and I've talked to other pastors and Went out and spied out the lands, what I've done. We took the case to the school board, and the school board agreed to allow the Bridge Church to use the auditorium at the high school on a yearly annual contract. So right where we sat on Easter, we're fixing to go back. We're fixing to go back. And there's 260, 70 seats in that auditorium. It's going to give us room to spread out right now during this COVID 
epidemic. How many knows that's the enemy's plan? That's not God's plan. Amen. Let's pray. God, tear down the walls of COVID. Bring healing to the nation. Amen. Bring healing to our county. Because it's what the rule book says doesn't mean what we have to accept. Amen. Let's pray and see God move in our midst. So I thank God that we're going to have that capability. So starting not next week, we're coming here for the big tent. We're going to have a good time with chili, with cakes, with all that stuff. But the next week after that, we're going to high school. So just because you invite people because we got more room under a tent, they can come back the next week at the high school. And we're going to have plenty of room. The kids are going to have plenty of room in the library. It's just going to be an awesome thing. God has provided. If we seek him, we will find him. And last thing I want to talk about today is God save those who helped his cause. You hear me? God saved those that helped his cause. Rahab was a prostitute. She was a liar. She was a treasonous person according to her community. But God chose her anyway. And the backdrop to that whole story, if you'll go read Matthew chapter 1, I told you last week to read Matthew chapter 1, didn't I? Abraham was his great, 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 great grandpa from Iraq. So God loves Iraqis too because it's the lineage of his son named Jesus. And guess who this prostitute is? Go read Matthew chapter 1. It's Jesus' great, 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 great grandma. Tell me again God won't use you. Tell me again why he can't use you because you're struggling. Tell me again why he can't use you because maybe my brain's just warped and I just don't function altogether right. I promise you, he desires to use you. This isn't a Ben and Leslie show. This is a God thing. I believe it with all my heart. I come here and walked in those doors back in 2010. Me and Leslie seen this church go all the way down to about eight people. And we're reaching a lot more than that right now through online, through in person, through all the things that's happening here. God has blessed us abundantly. He has multiplied us. He hasn't divided us. He's building us. And I thank God for every person that's sitting here. Ryan and Tabby sitting here on the front row and got them little hoodlums sitting there beside of them. The kids kids friends they come down here from Scioto County today amen how many knows God's kingdom is bigger than Lewis County amen we love you guys and we're so grateful you're here it just encourages me to know think bigger Ben you say Vanceburg all the time you say Lewis County all the time think bigger Ben God is bigger than our dreams, amen? And I think there's going to be people coming from all over, and they'll be walking in the doors of that high school here real shortly. If you don't believe me, Pastor Daniel over in Moorhead planted a church just a few years ago in a school. They got over a 1,000 people a weekend between there and Grayson every weekend. 
It's our church now. They started with just a few. Don't tell me God can't. I know he can. It isn't about numbers. Men Dusty say this all the time. This is what our terms we use. Radically transform lives. That's what we care about. I care about people coming. I care about you attending. But I care more about God radically transforming your life from who you was to who he wants you to be. So as you're sitting here today, I want you to walk out of this place. Like Leslie said, you may have been coming here for a long time, 100 days, or maybe this is your first day. I want you to walk and get in your car and leave here transformed by the power of God today to do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think through his power working in you and through you. Jesus' grandma was a prostitute. How many knew that? I'm going to show our hands. How many knew Jesus' grandma was a prostitute? So if you want to get people's attention this week, you want to know how to tell a story about Jesus out there in your community and see if their eyes don't perk up and their ears don't perk up and they don't pay attention. If you've been wanting to witness to somebody, you've been a little bit afraid and you don't know what to say and you're worried about how to approach them, just walk up to them boldly and say, man, I found out something. Jesus' grandma was a prostitute. What are you talking about? Don't talk about Jesus that way. That's what they'll do. It'll freak them out. But sometimes the awe factor will happen because then you can lead into God can use anybody. And he will use anybody. And he can use you. Be a good way to win somebody this week and bring them with you next week right here in this tent. Let's do the best we can to build God's kingdom. Here's the altar call. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes. Everybody here, bow your head and close your eyes. Don't worry about what your neighbor's doing. Don't worry about what your neighbor's thinking. Don't look around worry about what everybody else is doing. This is between you and God. I think there's a lot of people sitting here today that the enemy's been telling you you've done too much. You've messed up too many times. And God can't use you. But I'm praying right now that the Holy Spirit just whisper in your heart's ear. And He's telling you Trust me. God wants to use you. He doesn't want to abuse you. He wants to use you for his purpose to build his kingdom here on this earth. He's going to give you purpose. Maybe you've been wondering. It seems like you don't know which way to go and it don't seem like you know what to do. But today in this place, he's calling you. And he's calling you to come out from among them and be you separate, says God. Allow me to do justice to this planet through you. Be like Joshua. Be like Abraham. Be like Rahab. 
turn your ways over to my ways. And watch what I can do. Keep your head bowed, your eyes closed. Is there anybody here today and you feel like God is speaking to you right now and saying, come home, allow me to use you. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hand. If you, you can sense right now that God is saying, amen, thank you for those hands. Anybody else, raise your hand if you feel like God is telling you, I can use you. Amen, thank you for those hands. There's others, come on. I can use you. You may feel broken. You may feel like you're not worthy. But he's saying, I'll use you if you allow me to. If you don't know him as your personal Savior, today would be a perfect day to do so. If you've never accepted him to be Lord of your life, right now is the time of salvation. And he's asking you, come home. Give your life to me. And watch what I'll do. I'll radically transform your life into something you didn't think possible. I want everybody here to pray this prayer with me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, forgive me for my sins, for my faults, for my failures. Help me to live a life that is well-pleasing to you. Radically transform my life. Give me purpose on this planet so that I can live in eternity with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.